Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 289 in 2021. Excited about this year and all the optimism and great things that we know are going to happen. I'm alongside my awesome co-host, Amanda, who just knows this is going to be the year of all years. Right, Amanda? Oh, absolutely. It's going to be... No, I, I'm not even going to say it. That's jinxing it. You're jinxing it now. <laughs> I know. I'm just like a knock on wood. All what are you doing to us? Here. Yeah, I know. Just <laughs> killing the podcast. Well, that's all right, because we have the savior of 2021 when it comes yes. to tracking and all these issues with Facebook here today. Pretty excited to have this guy back on. And not an ah will be pronounced on this entire show because <laughs> we got somebody who doesn't even know how to pronounce an R. And none other than Wicked Scott DeGrassier from Wicked Reports. Scott, great to have you back on Perpetual Traffic, buddy. I'm excited to be anointed the savior. I always felt I was meant for great things. I can send this to my mom. She'd be like, all that grief you put me through is worth it. You should have said it better. The savior. I'm going to save you guys. Like, wicked awesome, guys. Yeah. It's got completely just degrade down to uh, Boston speak here. So Amanda, just give us a virtual smack. I'll do what I can to keep up. I know. You're the only one who talks normal on this show now. Translator. Uh-oh. Yeah, just translate some Boston speak. But today we're going to be doing some Boston speak, but we're also going to be Picking apart and dissecting like forensic scientists. Is that what they actually do on those shows, those forensic shows? Exactly what is happening with this iOS update, its impact on Facebook, and not just Facebook, ladies and gentlemen. It's all networks and all apps that uh, track through iOS. And Scott's going to get into the nitty gritty, so I don't say something that is not true here. But uh, keep in mind that today's show, as of the date of this recording, we're going to be giving you the goods as we know it, Mm -hmm. because a lot of this is going to evolve over time. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, definitely go back to episode 287, which I believe was the first show of 2021, our most favorite year from here on out. And we talk about this a little bit, myself and Angela Ponsford is VP of Media Buying over at Tier 11. But today we're going to get into more detail with Wicked Scott, because Wicked Scott, as uh, he is known, is the owner and CEO of Wicked Reports, which uh, might be a potential solution for this whole thing here, not to tease that out a bit. But Scott is uniquely qualified to talk through this all and make it as clear as possible, if not as clear as mud, as they would say in Southie. (laughs) Scott, why don't you just give us like a very high level view, not too technical, about what is happening and why this iOS update 
is something that our listeners should be aware of and understand it so that they can plan for it in the coming year? Sure, I'd love to. Spent a lot of time combing over hairy Facebook developer docs. <laughs> we're, we are actually Facebook marketing partners for conversions. So we were the first ones to send conversion data from the CRM to Facebook about four years ago. First ones to send CRM data to Google for conversions. So this is my life. So I'm uniquely qualified to hopefully sort this out for you. You absolutely are. You're the guy I call when I'm absolutely confused about anything tracking related. So anyway, so <laughs> you were a little stressed a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Got to be a bit paranoid here because change is the one constant. I agree. I agree. They never let us rest in this industry. Mm-mm. So what? So Apple's decided not just altruistically because they're being benevolent, friendly rulers of your iPhone, but more for all sorts <laughs> of reasons we'll get into. They have said, hey, you have a right to know if someone's tracking you. And uh, on the surface, that seems great. And so what's going to happen is they're going to roll out a new update. It's supposed to be coming in about two weeks. So late January, I believe January 21 was the first announced date. It's been pushed back a few times thanks to furious Facebook PR. (laughs) Facebook having spent a billion dollars fighting this. So it's a big deal. They wouldn't have spent a billion billion dollars if they didn't care. (laughs) So they spent all that money. It didn't work. Apple's going ahead. And so what's going to happen is whenever you're popped into, let's say, Candy Crush, any any of your favorite apps that you like to use on your phone, you're going to get a pop-up that says that the app would like to track you across your website activity. And it's going to say, then then the first option below is do not allow to track. And then the bottom one's going to say, yes, track. Mm-hmm. Now they've done studies and they said two thirds or three quarters of the people are going to say, don't allow me to track. Does not, you have this one little, you have maybe a hundred characters or less to make your case why you should be able to be tracked, why this app should be allowed to track you. And so if people say no, then things are going to ensue that we'll talk about. And if people say yes or ignore it, I believe the default setting is track me. Mm-hmm. So that's in a, at a very high level. It's going to be like, hey, I can or can't be tracked. Then that means, okay, well, what are they tracking? How are they tracking? Why do I even care? <laughs> it's Facebook. Don't they have all the data they need? It's all these things to get into. But in a nutshell, what Facebook is doing and others, it goes for Snapchat and Pinterest as well, and probably other ones. Mm-hmm. They are using something called Apple's IDFA, which stands for Identifier for Advertisers. Mm-hmm. And that means... They take your device ID, which they can get all sorts of ways. You know, let's just say it's your phone number, but I mean, it could be all sorts of things, your Mac ID or your phone, other unique techie things. They find out who, what your device is. They send it to Apple and Apple gives them a readout of all your activity. So that could be, I've spent an hour on Candy Crush. I went to GunsNRoses.com to get concert tickets. <laughs> I did everything you're doing on your phone in theory is, is fair game. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's app usage, sometimes it's website activity, sometimes it's actual things you clicked on or watched or all sorts of things are available. Mm-hmm. And Facebook takes that data and does all sorts of things with it. They're going to use it to build audiences. Mm-hmm. Like Scott, Scott's been spending a lot of time on the Guns N' Roses website. <laughs> <laughs> he likes guns. <laughs> uh, Not been, as much the roses. He's been, sh- he's been shopping for adult hockey gear. He must still think he can skate. <laughs> all sorts of things that happen and those form uh, some of the basis of the targeting and the delivery optimization is around 
what they've been able to mine with that data. Mm-hmm. And then also to determine conversions, in some cases, they're using that to determine that an ad was successful, which then, you know, all the different optimizations that you guys talk about on the show get triggered and kicked in. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, just on a high level, it's very impactful because if you have decided I'm not going to allow you to track me, you can't show up in the reporting unless a bunch of conditions are met. So there's no way that Facebook can prove an ad worked. You can't show up. They can't use that data to figure out which ad set to put you in. When you say, I want to target guns and roses listeners, (laughs) then they can't optimize a number of things we'll get into. And there's a couple, there's a lot to it, but just Mm -hmm. on the high level, it's pretty dramatic. Yeah. I mean, I think just from a Facebook monetization standpoint, obviously this is going to have an effect, but then if Facebook is struggling to be able to monetize the ad platform because they have 50, I think you said 50, 60% less data, then how is this going to affect people who are running their business out of Facebook ads? Is there a prediction on what exactly are people supposed to do in order to optimize their ads or even see success on the Facebook platform. So there's going to be a lot of change there. Facebook's still going to be a great source for traffic mm-hmm. and a great source for business, but it's almost going to, you know, back to the future, go back a couple <laughs> years when it was like great place to buy leads and maybe yeah. close them, but you can't rely on Facebook's reporting and automatic optimization as much because they're restricted. And yeah. their own studies have said that we're expecting a 60% drop in, re- in sales. So that's That's huge. I mean, that doesn't mean that there's going to be always evolving ways to get to these people and whatnot, but their algorithms that are automatically finding people just are going to be hampered and they're going to furiously work to try to figure out workarounds that may or may not work as well as the past, but it's going to mean wholesale change in a lot of areas. So let me make sure that we're completely clear on this. So the ATT which is the little thing that pops up that asks you whether or not you want the app. In this case, we're talking about the Facebook app. Permission to track. That's sort of where it all sort of starts, is that ATT prompt. And because we know that, like we actually did an analysis inside Tier 11, for example, about 60% of our traffic for nearly $100 million a year in ad spend (laughs) comes from iOS devices. The question is, is how good is Facebook going to be in those hundred or so characters where they try and sell the benefits of ask app not to track or allow app to track? That's sort of the zero moment of truth right there. It might not even be a hundred characters. Tim Cook did a tweet on how, and he says, allow Facebook to track your activity across other companies, apps, and websites, question mark. And then, then there's uh, a little bracket, and he says, here, in addition to other screens, Facebook can explain why users should allow tracking. So right. yeah, I agree with you. I just wanted to like triple verify like his tweet. He posted the exact scenario. Mm-hmm. said, oh, you just got to convince them. I mean, well, yeah, what are they going to do? Just sell them. <laughs> what would you do? How many, how many copywriters do you think are on that job? Yeah. Oh my God. 
Yeah. The test worth tens of billions. No yes. pressure at all. That's an important line of copy right there of everything. <laughs> so the point is, is, is if 60% of users on Facebook are coming from an iOS device, at least that's sort of the what we, it could depend on your business, obviously. We're just sort of taking that in aggregate. Obviously, we have a very large aggregate sample here. We run a lot of ads, but you guys already know that because you listen to the show here. So what we're saying is that if half of those people opt out, which is optimistic, <laughs> I think yeah. it actually will be larger than that, then we'll lose 30% of our optimization, our tracking, our audience mm -hmm. building, our interest-based audience like optimization. There's all kinds of things that can happen there. So it all sort of stems from that one action which on episode 287, Angela actually tried to download it, but it was too soon, her, her app install for her iPhone, because, <laughs> but it actually didn't update. She didn't get the ATT or app tracking transparency question. She didn't actually get it on her phone, but we will be getting it in the next few weeks. And here, mm -hmm. as of the, the moment of this recording, is a few weeks before it's actually going to air. So the point is, is like, that's where it all happens. That's where the fun begins, Scott. And I, I think you did a, a good explanation of exactly why that is. And it's, it's not for all apps, though. It's only for apps that use this IDFA, which is Identifier for Advertisers. And we know Facebook uses it. Snapchat, we do Snapchat advertising, TikTok, we do advertising there too. Pin, Pinterest. Major social platforms. <laughs> LinkedIn, I believe as well. Mm -hmm. You know, is YouTube going to be affected? Is Chrome going to be affected? Google has been very mum. What What do you know about that? We're really talking mostly about Facebook and we're assuming Instagram too. Amanda and I were talking about that before. We're sort of, in, it's all one. So what do you know about the Google side of the equation? Because you're pretty tight with the Googler. <laughs> yeah, we, we are. And so it comes down to, are you going to use this API? Apple has a, a way for you to, again, IDFA, which is an acronym, that you can send a device info and download all this activity. And then once you've done that, you're using this data that they're allowing users to now say, hey, I don't want you to be able to do this. And they'll block it. Basically, so if I if, so if me and you are both he, me and you both go to the same Candy Crush game, and Candy Crush sees this, and then Facebook's Pixel sees it and says, "Okay, I'm going to ping Ralph's and and Scott's phones." If I've not opted out and you have, they won't get your info, but they'll get all the info on me still the way they right. currently did. So that's exactly. the big difference. So Google must not be using it because they've not come up anywhere. They haven't said a word. They seem quite happy. <laughs> My reps are quite just. They're, they're generally very nice people anyway, but they're extra, I don't know, chipper. <laughs> I, have them, I have to tell them I mentioned that now. <laughs> you know, because they're not using that, that particular lookup. You know why? They probably have their own. Mm -hmm. Google's such a data-centric engineer company. Facebook is also obviously somewhat, but they likely have their own. But also Google has six or seven properties of their own that all have a billion users. They have YouTube. They get, you know, guess what, YouTube, they get Gmail and then they get, now Google has their own way of doing it with the, you know, their own conversion API in ways that they do things, which are, which is extremely flexible. So it's very easy to get precise data in, not very easy, I shouldn't say that, but there's ways to get precise data into Google the way you want it. So that optimizes on conversion data that you own and understand and send to them. That's pretty sweet, actually. Mm -hmm. and so Facebook's mm -hmm. trying to move to that 
it's probably too early in the pod to get to that, but Facebook has an idea of doing it now. It's the people that have worked on the first iteration with Facebook and with Google, and then we were the second company worldwide whitelisted to use the conversion API, and it was two years ago. We didn't do it for reasons that we'll get into that are still there. Mm-hmm. It's still plausible. It will help, but there were so many flaws that we would argue with them. We'd get on the phone with them. we fly out to Menlo, be in a crappy conference room, debating some <laughs> algorithm engineers why this Archaic. was going to be a problem. We right. know, and they didn't care. <laughs> now they care. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddies Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me, and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. They didn't care at all at the time. So let's take a step back here. So you mentioned a couple of different things here. I just want to make sure everybody who listens to the show here understands exactly what we're talking about. So you talked about first party and third party data. Mm -hmm. And you also talked about this thing called the API. Mm -hmm. Some of you might know what this is. Some of you might not. At, At the very least, explain to us, go through each one of those and how it sort of affects this whole change, if you could. Sure. Third party versus first party data is the big thing around all this privacy stuff. And it's the, it's the right decision is the thing. I mean, there's going to be some short-term hiccups, but third-party data means you've bought someone's data from someone else. Like someone mm-hmm. collects a bunch of data, sells it to you, or you collect it for your own purposes. So even if you collect it legally, but you're using it for other people, not the particular uh, situation, I guess, that someone thought you were using it for, then mm-hmm. it's third-party. Now that may be, let me get very dis- clear with that. So if I click and go to a website, well, Facebook is currently, they're going to, if they just use that data to help you only, it would be first party data. Now, when they use it for themselves or they say, Hey, you want to bid on your competitor or you want to, you want to bid on an ad set that they have been to traffic to other cosmetic companies. They're helping other parties, not the website that you clicked and went to. 
That makes them what Tim Cook calls an opaque third party. I don't know what <laughs> opaque really means in this case, but he, he just threw that in there. And I was like, ooh, it is. Because you're not really quite sure. You just know they're using it for other reasons than just whoever like attracted the click or mm-hmm. that particular website. Got it. Now, first party data is I own a business or I'm working in conjunction for a business or like you as an agency, Ralph, you're working for one particular advertiser. You guys collect data that you use just to help that advertiser only like uploading the email list that you've collected. Mm-hmm. That's your own first party earned data. So that's first party data and that's all still legal and there's no, no issues um, with GD. Although we don't upload anything just so we're in the clear with CCPA and, and yeah. Well, you can do that but... as long as you can allow people to forget. Like we, we, sure. We do that for people, and then we have to allow that if the, someone goes to that advertiser and says, hey, I don't want you to track me, we have to anonymize their stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's all mm-hmm. kinds of extra hurdles but, that, we, that are accomplishable, but not for the average advertiser. So, so that's the first party versus third party difference. It's, it's really big. So really your own data that you own, it's yours. It's because people knowingly came to your site and opted in or did something so that you got their data, they willingly gave it, and you're mm-hmm. using it for your own business growth. Mm-hmm. nothing's changed with that. So that's like the most critical, valuable thing you're going to have going forward. You can run around with that, upload it, do whatever it is you're going to do, but you'll have your own audience. The platforms are just allowing you to reach people you already collected and hopefully their algorithms are good enough for lookalikes. I was Facebook. I'd be spending time dialing that in even more, but I mean, they're already good, but that won't change. To simplify it. So let's say I own a Shopify store. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm collecting purchase data. I mean, it's my domain. I pay Shopify to collect that. Even though I'm using an app, an application, as it were, or a software, as it were, that's still my data. That's considered first-party data. I get 100 buyers today of my men's hockey product, which I sold to Scott DeGrassier because he just can't resist (laughs) brand new gloves. I own that data. That's first-party data. Correct. But let's say I'm running ads and I had targeted... Wicked Scott up in Maine while he's skiing, because I know he likes skiing and skiers sometimes like hockey stuff. And I target him and he sees an ad and still goes to my store, buys my hockey gloves. But I'm using the tracking data from the Facebook pixel to optimize my ads. That's third party, correct? Correct. Correct. That's a great explanation. And so then Mm -hmm. if I've opted out, Facebook can't use it. Facebook can't report on it, which is really tough. Mm. You have to collect the first party data and get it to them and indicate that the person's opted in to your, to your stuff. And you've got an extra whole weight of deduping it. Cause if the pixel did catch it and report it, you got to be able to sync dedupe technologies, which we don't want to talk about yet, <laughs> but because otherwise it's, otherwise it's not deduped. And so then you're, but then you're missing some of the traffic from the people that opted out, but you've got some traffic that's unique and some that's duped. That's going to be a mess. <laughs> but yes, you can use that first party data. CRM also. Correct. So my question is, if we're losing a lot of this third party data, then is there a way 
to make the third party data first party data, like how can we then get the data ourselves? Is there an advanced enough tracking system where we can start collecting the data ourselves? Because typically you wouldn't have to worry about it, right? Because you're getting the third party stuff from Facebook or you're getting it from Instagram. How do you make it so it becomes, is there a way for it to become first party data so you can still optimize the way that we've continued the way we've been optimizing that's an excellent question actually so the first thing is you're going to need to start collecting data as as an advertiser or a store and the best way i know to do that and ralph Pite has other techniques as well is is lead gen sure even if you're a shopify store just and, and you're only leads you just want them to buy you're not really nurturing the lead but just, I mean, this is the origin story of Wicked Reports was that he couldn't tell if Facebook worked or not. This was before the algorithms were good. Yeah. This was seven years ago. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, just put an opt-in offer and redirect them to the same offer you were going to run or sell them on. So just collect leads somehow, mm-hmm. which let's say you got something First that costs a hundred bucks on your store. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got something in your store that costs a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. offer Offer, run an ad to a simple opt-in or whatever, a fancy one, who knows, and just say, hey, free shipping, opt-in to get this, and then show whatever product you're already going to sell them on. Mm-hmm. So then you can yep. capture their interest at the time. You, when you collect that email, that's first-party data, mm-hmm. then just redirect them to the thing you want them to buy anyway. And then you, know, you email them a coupon or not, or, or the offer is already on the page that they go to. I mean, no one cares. You can still run your offer, your Buy My Stuff Now campaigns, but at the same time, run the lead campaign because then you're collecting that lead. That's the first step because then you have the data. Mm-hmm. And then the second step is you got to get it into Facebook and Snap and Pin and everywhere else, which there's various ways to do that that we can talk about or you may already know. Yeah. If we don't know, how would you start to get that, get your first party data? Because now you have to work in reverse, right? So now, okay, now I have to collect the data myself and optimize myself and then put it into Facebook because I'm going to lose the ability to do that through these advertisers, right? And it's kind of almost like we're going back six or seven years here. Yeah, really. it is. Back to the old it opt-in is. and then everyone gets pixeled. I remember Ryan talked about this at TNC. This is the age of the pixel. <laughs> this is six years ago, probably. That was a revelation. But before that, it was all lead gen and then retarget them with an offer. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like we're going back to 2013 in a lot of ways here, which is really interesting. It's a it's a three step. It's a top sure. of the it's cold traffic. Get them to view, retarget mm-hmm. the view with an opt in, retarget the opt in with your sales. And then if you got a step in between, like you're a I don't know a law firm or a dentist or something. Then there's a middle tier. Yeah, I got the lead. Now I got to retarget them to call to book a consult or whatever that mm-hmm. interim step. Yeah. Old school, which is it, it's there's, so it's not the end of the world. It's just another thing you got to do, though. It's far more <laughs> rudimentary. Your answer your question. You can get it in there by just raw uploading the data occasionally, which that's not fun to do. It's another task, but it does work. And so anyone theoretically could just every week have a task. I got to upload my damn leads again and they'll do it, but it's not fun. Or you can get some sort of sync tools that are going to do it for you. Plus, this is a great one if it syncs with your CRM. Mm -hmm. I like that one a lot. They work. There's a couple out there, though, that sync audiences. So those are going to be important. And some CRMs do it by default now. Okay. That's another one. And then the, the, the big third one, though, is face. that's for audiences. But then for conversions, you need to get the conversion data in. And that's yeah. a whole big can of worms. So, Well, let's open up that can of worms. I have a feeling this is about the API. 
So tell us what the hell is an API? Everybody sort of throws this term around, and I know I do. I'm not even sure I know what it stands for, but uh, actually I do. But anyway, the po- I think of it as a big pipe. That's what I think of it as in my mind, like from where you're catching your first party data back into Facebook in essence. But maybe you can explain it a little bit more eloquently. That was a nice, concise way. Mine's going to be more technobabble. <laughs> Let me try to limit it, though. So API is application programming interface. It basically means we're going to open up a pipe and allow you to send us data, mm-hmm. which we're then going to do whatever it is we're going to do with it based on the different API. They're called endpoints. Some You can have them for all sorts of different purposes so that the people sending you the data know what it is you're going to do with it. And so Facebook has a bunch of these and they have a new, they have one that's, again, we were, we could have used it a couple of years ago, but we didn't yet. We're now building something out that we're comfortable with that you can send them conversion data. So at first I was like, oh, this is great, man. We'll just pipe in all the Shopify data and then they can match it on all the PII from that. And then everything's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Well, Shopify actually built a, a conversion API interface that may already be live. So anyone doing Shopify, you just, this is a no brainer. Go turn that on. You got to do it because mm-hmm. they'll take care Solution of all these one. complications. Mm-hmm. Solution one, mm-hmm. get a Shopify store, turn that on. Facebook will get conversion data, at least for sales mm-hmm. that it can use. And then it's one less thing you got to worry about with this. At least you know, your sale data is getting in there and getting tracked because you can set uh, the opt-in setting, which ideally I haven't looked at Shopify's implementation of this, but there's considerations for not sending duplicate data that the pixel captures. And then there's considerations for you have to send the events within an hour or performance is going to degrade. So that's tricky mm-hmm. because if you have some sort of mishmash tech stack, all these people with their custom shopping carts or oh, what's your tech stack? And they talk for five minutes about all the different texts they got to string together. Well, at the end of that, you got to get some data to Facebook in an hour or less at the time of the conversion. And you got to map it back to the Facebook click ID. And you need an event ID that's the dupe key. So, so when the Facebook pixel fires on your page, let's just say someone bought and you're not using Shopify. You have your own mm-hmm. custom shopping cart. It's amazing. It grew your business. You love it. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So when the order is someone buys and you get to thank you for your order, .html or whatever, an event ID is put on that page that you can control what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So, okay, Ralph targeted me. I bought some elbow pads for hockey. Mm-hmm. And so on the thank you page, my email, Scott at Wicked Reports, bought some elbow pads, order ID, I don't know, one, two, three. Mm-hmm. So you need to set the Facebook pixel event ID to something that you're going to capture and connect the Facebook click ID to this event ID, which order ID is what you should use in this case. It's hopefully unique. (laughs) And then if you're sending your order data via the conversion API, you've got to send that, that same order ID as the event ID. And then you can do Then Facebook will dedupe within 48 hours. So they get, they need the data within an hour. They only promise dedupe within 48 hours. How does that, how did that all go down? It's like a, like a glass cup of glass. So the yeah. issue is the event ID and the order ID at the time of conversion and making sure that they don't overlap. Is that no? They have to match. They so have the to event, match. Correct. Okay. The face, whatever that when the pixel fires, you're choosing an event ID 
for whatever the event is you're doing. We're talking about sales. The same things for leads. It's just even trickier for leads, I think. Whatever event ID you send to the Pixel with the Facebook Click ID and all your other info, you've got to have the same event ID, what you're using when you're sending it to the conversion API. And then they'll say, oh, the event ID's matched. This is a duplicate. Don't count them. Because uh, what okay. you're, what reason why you got to do that is because the pixel is mm-hmm. going to fire. And mm-hmm. if it's Apple mm-hmm. traffic and they opted out, Facebook can't count it. And if it's web traffic on a Chrome browser, they can, the pixel can still work normal. So when you're sending it via the conversion API, you don't know. Does, does the pixel already know about this? Does the pixel already counted this? So you got to create this dedupe sync process that's airtight or well then what's going to happen if it if it duplicates is i don't know it's just <laughs> it just sounds bad if you're sending in duplicate data it just never sounds like a good idea as right. a data scientist yeah. you never want to yeah you never want to overcount so what if you set up the conversion api okay and you took the pixel off your website in theory that's the best move if your conversion api is airtight the question because then is, Facebook's going to get yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is the conversion API airtight? Why would it not be airtight? Why, where where can it go wrong? Is it because of those event and order IDs not matching? Uh, no. So if you don't have the pixel, you don't have to dedo. So then you're sending it. Let's just say you got the ah, Shopify okay. thing so enabled. That's all you do. Mm-hmm. So, well, the other thing is though is the Facebook. You could do that. The, the two things I know that are one at risk and one that's not fully understood by me yet. The one thing is when you send Facebook a batch of orders, any errors, they reject the whole batch, which is so evil <laughs> as a, as a pro, former programmer because Google does line by line. So we send up, I don't know, thousands of orders for someone in a day, some of these big advertisers. And if, if something's screwed up on one of them, they just say, hey, this one's bad. They don't say, hey, we're going to ignore all 1,000 orders because you had one bad one. Right. So yeah, ideally, well, they're going to evolve that from everyone freaking out on them. They'll probably fix that. But as of right now, that's the current standard. So we were not happy with that. because. Well, the other thing is the Facebook click ID. You want to capture that and send it with. So I believe you need to, if you don't have the pixel on the page, because you want to, because you mine the cookie to get all these parameters or you got to capture the click ID and then affix it to the order. And so Shopify's app likely does that, but if it doesn't, you have that added for all the people that have the homegrowns or the WooCommerces or the, I don't know, all the other carts that are out there. You got to capture the click ID and then you got to tie it to the right order and then you got to send it up. So there's that extra thing of fun. So any, I imagine Shopify already will do this. I haven't enabled it for anyone personally, so I don't want to assume much, but I don't know how they could otherwise. So, so in your in your situation, they, they could take the pixel off. The Facebook installation of this will capture the Facebook click ID for you, affix it to the order, and get it to Facebook within the hour. And then, in theory, your sales optimizations are fine. It doesn't cover leads, but it covers sales. There are lots of ways for this to go wrong, is what right, you're that saying. That was going to be exactly my question. <laughs> I said, what's the, I was thinking, what's the likelihood that you get it to Facebook within an hour and not a single line has an error? And, <laughs> and what happens when you don't get it to, what if you get it in an hour and one minute and then it also has an error? Then you just don't get any of your conversion data at all? Well, I, I, we begged them 
like this was early 2019. We're in some fancy Facebook accelerator group. And we were all excited. We're like, we're going to build this because we had just got done the Google one. They were all excited. We're going to do it for Facebook and we'll just send conversion data everywhere. Everyone's going to mm-hmm. love us. I'm going to be the savior of 2019. Okay, <laughs> early by two years. We're <laughs> off by two years. <laughs> so we're all excited, right? And we get in there and they're like, well, because we already had all this data flying in through this other API pipe. And, but it was going in the next morning for the previous day. And they said, that's too slow. We can't optimize. I'm like, why not? And so, because we, we want to do is be pixel insurance. We said the pixel can capture everything. We'll send all the con- real conversion data up the next morning after we've figured it all out overnight. And then you guys can just mix and match off. Oh, look, we sold 10 more things than we thought. And, you know, update the algorithm. We were all excited about it, but they, just, when, they didn't change. They just said, we need it within an hour. And they've tripled down on it. Like within a day is too slow because that we were very sad because we thought we, we already know how to do it within mm-hmm. a day. No, we need it within the hour. Worst case, it starts to degrade every hour it's worth. So does that mean three hours is going to be good enough or not? They just said performance will be degraded is all they say. So what is your sense as to how Facebook will, I mean, knowing what you know about all of this stuff, and some of this is highly technical, I, I, I get it. But obviously for, for the, the wicked reports kind of guys out there and gals, there's definitely a lot here. But for the average advertiser, like, what is your sense as to how Facebook is going to be able to counteract that? Because uh, they're not collecting all data right now anyway. The question is always, and always people are so suspect of Facebook data anyway, saying, oh, they want to just capture everything because of use rules and everything else. What do you think? Is there a mathematical way or a probability way for them to make up for lost data based upon user usage of iOS? I think they're the, the most motivated company right now in the world mm-hmm. to figure out a way to get as close to what they have as now. I think that 60% might be true for as of when they published it. I think in October, they said you're going to lose 60% of sales revenue if this goes through. It's likely going to be less because they got a lot of smart people that are probably working relentlessly to try to mitigate this. Right. So mm-hmm. you could benchmark. We do that in Wicker Reports. We benchmark your performance based on your goal against how a campaign's currently running. Mm-hmm. So they could benchmark everything and say, well, normally when, because they'll have all this historical data on 2 billion people. So it's not like they're, they're like, oh no, we have nothing to work off. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, Guns and Roses and hockey users. Oh man, they're the, they're the first of all, they're wicked great people. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, they're more likely than not to buy hair metal stuff or whatever. You know, all the different categories they have, they'll already have some percentage, like they have all this historical benchmark data. Mm -hmm. So they could use that and say, hey, in the past, before we were flying blind, you know, oh, if it's tier 11, well, they convert 1% better than everyone else, first of all. (laughs) So they could say, hey, they normally convert 20% lead gen and 1% sales and use that as a proxy whenever they don't have data, use the historical account performance and just say, hey, we've detected 50 conversions. We used to always detect 200 conversions for this ad spend. We're going to infer that you actually did four times as well as you did. Now, how much are people going to like that when they can't prove it and the reports are delayed up to three days and the conversion windows have changed and the conversion event timing has changed? It's going to be a disaster because they've changed all the other rules around events and reporting. Yeah. So you can't match apples to apples. 
to do that benchmark is how I would have done it if they would have kept everything else the same. So I'm sure they have another method or they wouldn't have just changed all this other stuff we haven't even talked about. So what, what is the benefit to Apple? Cause hearing you talk about third party data and Facebook would have to buy this data or any platform that's running ads through iOS would have to buy this data in order for their users to be able to optimize. So what was even the benefit? I mean, I, I, you said at the beginning privacy, but is that really the case? What is really the benefit for Apple to do this? <laughs> <laughs> Apple isn't out to do good here, Scott. I don't, I don't understand. Believe it or not. So Facebook spent a billion arguing this. So you know it's going to impact them. But one of their arguments was like, well, Apple is not restricting themselves from using this data. Yes. So then you're like, wait a minute, what's hmm. Apple going to do with all this data hmm. if they're not restricting themselves? They, they're going to, I think for sure they're going to have an ad platform. I don't know why else, why they wouldn't do it, first of all, because it's going to yeah. be tens of billions of dollars more they can start making. Yeah. Why wouldn't they have an ad platform? But here's the other thing all their apps then that but they're going to lose all this revenue, all these free apps that they have. The, the, some of the apps are going to start charging you a little tiny, and then Apple takes a cut out of that. Right. So they're going to get more app store revenue. And then also there's Apple, I mean, like Apple TV's already here, and there's some pretty good apps, uh, pretty good shows. Ted Lasso, by the way, fantastic show, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think. Well, then they're going to be able to do TV advertising against your mobile phone. Th their ad network's going to actually be the first end-to-end -end one that has TV plus games, plus web, plus everything else they already know, they'll have the best data for mobile in town for their particular ad network. If you start to piece it all together, it looks like a massive ad network to rival Facebook. I think to rival all of, yeah, but plus they're right, the only ones that have the t TV. Mm. Well, Google's yeah. got YouTube, so they're gonna sure. they can match Google, really. Facebook gets hurt, Apple gets help, help mm. as an agency, you just get another platform you got to deal with, right? <laughs> and another one that's going to report different results than the other one. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I think that's for sure their move. I mean, I, I don't know why, or they just really dislike Facebook. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess that makes sense. It has to be coming. Didn't they do something similar with music when with Spotify? I'm trying to remember like two years ago, something like certain songs weren't able to be played on Spotify because they were within like Apple store or something like that. Yeah, yeah you're right. They signaled the move by they started, you know, causing havoc first. Yeah. And then they came in like the white knights with iTunes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this would be the same scenario. Hey, yeah. you know what? It's yeah. It, it, it'd be worth so much money right away to them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why they don't they have enough right do now. Why not? <laughs> so as far as recommendations, I highly encourage you, you all to go back and listen to parts of this episode, especially if you're Facebook advertisers right now. The jury's still out on, on Google and YouTube, but obviously a lot of the other platforms use the same uh, methodology here to gather data. But what what's your recommendation. And we, we made some recommendations mm -hmm. back on uh, episode 287, which you should certainly do. But from your perspective, Scott, like what's the best way to potentially counter this as well as get that data, start activating and utilizing first party versus third party data and the like? Yeah. So you, you want to diversify into other channels. We have people, you know, Wicked Reports come in and just, uh, you know, I, I spent a hundred grand on Facebook. What else do you do? Nothing. Email? No. 
retarget on Google? No. Snap? No. They don't. They, that's all they do. Those people need to diversify mm-hmm. for sure. So multiple ad channels. Mm-hmm. Collecting first-party data, so that means running right beside your offers, run a lead gen, even if it's not the greatest lead gen in the world, just redirecting the, the email to the same thing you were going to advertise anyway. Run them side by side. That's proven because you can, you can track that too. The other advantage of that is because when you can track where the leads come from, and then if you match that into LTV, you can see, hey, wait a minute. When I captured their interest here, they may have closed on some other channel, but Facebook still can be a great thing for leads that just take time to buy or buy on another channel. And then you have an edge on everyone else's data. Mm-hmm. I've been chirping about this for seven years, so broken record here, but new episode. <laughs> <laughs> the other key is you do need an independent way of measuring, even if it's just some something crappy in your CRM. Ideally, I mean, of course, I want you to use wicked reports, but you need independent measurement no matter what, because mm-hmm. Facebook's data they've already said it's going to be delayed up to 48 hours. It's going to be estimated. You're losing gender breakdown. You're losing age breakdown. You're losing region breakdown. Mm -hmm. They're changing their measurement windows from 28 day view and click to seven day click. That's Mm -hmm. a big impact. Mm -hmm. We're constantly wading through these complicated logs of all the different things we track people that what they do. And inevitably, uh, we don't match Facebook. And part of it is this IDFA. Part of it is they counted a click 20. I mean, what's today? I don't even know what the date is. I don't even know what the date is, right? But (laughs) (laughs) it's it's, uh, it's the 7th or whatever. Now, if I bought something right now with a 28-day window, if I clicked on something December 8th, Theoretically, Facebook says, hey, I just converted someone on that thing that I buy today. My hockey shin guards I buy today, it's because Ralph had an intoxicating ad on December 8th and I clicked on it. Mm -hmm. Great, but is that really why a month later I decided to buy? Doubtful. Mm -hmm. You need independent measurement because you need to diversify, because you need to capture leads, because Facebook's already saying, hey, we're going to have delayed data that's not accurate, that's estimated, and we're not promising anything. So that was another one, I would say, for sure. So you mentioned Wicked Reports here. I mean, obviously, you know that pretty well. It's an option for people. And tell us a little bit about how that might be able to solve things specifically to Wicked. Well, why it aligns great with us is that we have always been first-party data marketing attribution, even before it was a buzzword. So it just kind of like when they started talking third-party versus first party for cookies and for tracking and for what you can and can't do just aligned in our wheelhouse because we only track first party data and it's only for the first party. We don't share it with other advertisers. We don't do anything nefarious with it. We just host that tracking data for your own uses. And we always validate our stuff against your first party IDs. So if we say someone was a lead, we can say, hey, you know what? In Clavio ID 123, this was what they clicked on to become a lead. And here's all the other things they clicked on coming to your site. And we only gave credit for the first party data conversions we can verify. We show you all the clicks, but we only count conversions that are first party data or that you yourself tell us are important, which is your own first party data conversions you choose to configure. If you don't configure anything, we hit your, let's just use Clavio on Shopify. It's a common stack for us. We'll say, hey, what was the first thing that, that clicked to bring them to your site? Because that's the initial brand awareness. Mm-hmm. What 
click turns someone into a lead, a new lead. Because everyone wants to know new leads. Where did I find these new leads? They just bought all this stuff. Where the hell did I find them? <laughs> well, mm-hmm. okay, how'd you get them into Clavio? That's a start. And then we look at what made them actually buy. And then we have other ones for people that are, you know, more advanced or that have huge email lists that take a while to close. We can look at what got them reactivated, but it's always synced against first party data. So it's verified. All our stats are verifiable. You can click on a number. We show you the precise sales or leads that made up the number and why. So first party data is not going to be missed with wicked reports. And that's the key. So it's. Yep beautiful for us. Yeah, it's great. Now where we one thing that's going to be going down or more tricky is there is some cases where views are really important. I remember you had a Organifi and they had that killer video that closed a ton of biz and it wasn't always click-based. Those are going to be really a lot harder to, not a lot harder, but they're going to be harder to prove in Facebook. And that's something where view-based data is going to be very challenging to report on unless it's in platform. So in YouTube, you can maybe trust their views, but Facebook's determining of view conversions is definitely impacted by this change. So that's oh, unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. So you need sure. to get the click. You need the over, I mean, because YouTube has overlays that you can click that are perfectly trackable. They have in-app lead capture. So mm-hmm. in YouTube lead capture now. So they've done a lot of things to prepare for this mm-hmm. that are pretty solid. But a Facebook view through is going to be a little more challenging. We, we, we use Facebook view through for bottom of the funnel. I think that's going away, though. I'm pretty sure it's going to be. And just for our listeners, difference between view through and click through is? So a click through is someone sees your ad, clicks, and goes to your website or wherever, mm-hmm. whatever URL you sent them to. Mm-hmm. A view through is you viewed the ad, and then you just went on your merry way. And then later on, within that defined time frame, sometimes 28 days, sometimes one day, sometimes in the middle, mm-hmm. you decide to head to a head to a advertiser's website and do something that the advertiser indicated is a, is a conversion. It could be you joined their email list. It could be you bought. Those are the two most common, but there's all kinds of other ones people do. Right. So the view through is going to be very difficult to track on iOS. Mm-hmm. It, it is because that's probably likely how they were. And that's probably the most likely thing how they were doing. Think about if you're in a, in a game app and you see the ad and you don't act on it, but then you buy because it was a good offer. And then you get retargeted when you go into Facebook in conjunction with that. And then you somehow bebop over to the website, not with a click. And or they opted out anyway, so you can't track them. So you need a way to capture it. And send, you got to capture And Facebook has the onus is on the, right now on the advertisers to capture that click ID and send it up and hopefully don't de-dupe it with what the pixel already thinks happened, mm. unfortunately. They should be getting better at that, but they haven't. It's been two years we've been barking at them. <laughs> well, I have a feeling uh, Facebook is going to have a, an answer. For this, it might not be the, by the time of this airing, but I mean, there's too many unknowns, at least yeah. a, as of this recording, to really say definitively you should do this or that. But you know, there are a couple of things that you should do just from a, on a website standpoint. And go back to episode 287 where Angela and I go through that. But from a tracking perspective, not necessarily from an optimization optimization perspective. Wicked Reports might be a pretty good solution here because you're actually you're tracking that first-party data and not mm-hmm. relying on Facebook's third-party data mm-hmm. through iOS in order to see exactly what's going on with your ads. Yeah, yeah I think also because you're going to need to diversify, you don't want platforms taking credit for the other platforms. 
But our also mm-hmm. our our attribution window for a lead is lifetime value. So if you get a lead, mm-hmm. we report way more value over time than either platform because we'll capture all your recurring or all your payment systems we wire into. So whenever any of those leads ever buy and repeat buy, we'll keep upping that ROI and revenue score mm-hmm. for the lead. If your goal is new leads, we'll show that increased revenue over time. So we'll show more value than the ad platforms over time. And we're cooking up something for leads so that we'll send in your lead data as first party for you hoping to have that for Feb 1, that will automatically dedupe the leads and send them in to Facebook within the hour for the lead <laughs> thing. Because we feel like most of the sales things, either Shopify has it figured out and some of the other ones like Stripe is going to be super complicated to do. Mm. So we're just like, hey, everyone still needs, Facebook's still going to be a great traffic source. It's going to be mm-hmm. awesome for getting leads. You should be trying to pull the data off Facebook anyway. And if you do that, we'll send it to them so they can optimize. And so you can see the lifetime value on our platform to the thinking. Well, it sounds like we're going to have to have you back on. And maybe by that point in time, you will have figured out how to, this whole thing, as well as how to pronounce an R. So, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot to look forward to in the coming months here in 2021. I mean, come on, we've been getting too technical here. We got to talk mass, you know, a little bit at the end of the show. Well, more more importantly, Maine. But by the way, like Massachusetts gets all like the abuse for the horribly bad accents, but it's really it's Maine where they're way worse. I mean, mm. yeah, you can't get there from here. <laughs> <laughs> this is just pure entertainment, really. I mean, even if you don't understand what's happening in this episode, you can just listen to it for entertainment value. <laughs> Absolutely. So at the very least, where can the listeners of perpetual traffic? There's no R's in perpetual traffic. I, well, I guess there is, but it's it's kind of hard to pronounce in the middle between the T and the R and the A. Where can, <laughs> where, can, where can listeners of the show find out a little bit more about you? I know you have a podcast as well. I do. I have a podcast, e-commerce insights. And then the company is wickedreports.com. Website should explain our whole our whole deal. And then, of course, we're capturing first-party data. So you can certainly opt in to learn more or get a personalized demo from someone on my team to um, help you scale your ads in this uncertain time. You know, if you opt in at Wicked Reports, you will definitely be tracked by Scott. That's for sure. So you can <laughs> just take it through the process. That unto itself is probably worth the opt-in. So, <laughs> well, this has been great to have you on. And yeah. like I said, I mean, this is sort of a, it's an evolving story here. We don't have sort yeah. of the, the end. This is really sort of, I don't know, it's not even chapter one. I guess maybe 287 was the prologue. And this is mm-hmm. chapter one. There's lots of chapters that are going to be written here in the coming months in 2021, as we see how this all rolls out. And this isn't like we said before, it's not just Facebook. Google has been mum on this, but all the other platforms that use that specific tracking technology, the IDFA are affected by this as well as apps. Like we didn't even talk about that a whole lot. We talked more on the advertising side. So we definitely want to have you back on the show here Mm -hmm. and uh, give some more insightful updates as to what's going on with all of this. So for everything that we mentioned here in this week's show, make sure you head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 289. We'll leave links to Scott and a bunch of the other things that we cite here through uh, Facebook, as well as helpful articles for you to, to sort this all through. 
That's not the end of the world, everyone. It's just another challenge that we have to face as advertisers. And we'll get through this in the coming year. So I appreciate your help here today, Scott. And thanks for having you on. Oh, it was a blast. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, for everybody, head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Till next week. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.